You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hi there. So it's Eating Disorders Awareness Week, and because this is a special week for eating disorders, I'm going to publish a mini podcast every day on a different topic, and the topic is going to be one that is specific to adults with eating disorders. Because there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of um, support, or even even if there's not a lot or enough support for children and adolescents with eating disorders, there's even less that's really specific for adults. And as an adult with an eating disorder, there were things that I had to sort out, um, problems that were specific to being an adult, such as work, money, supporting myself, um, living on my own, that I think would be really different if I'd been younger. And so I think that it's important to support adults in recovery that we actually talk about these things as specific to adults. So today we're going to be talking about work and money. And if you want to get in joined in with this conversation, you can send me your thoughts about what I'm going to talk about tomorrow, which is um, family and children. And if you send them, email me your thoughts to um, info at tabithafarrar.com and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Then I'll read them out tomorrow in the podcast. I asked on social media and the um, Adults in Recovery Slack group that I run for some people to send me their thoughts on today's topic, which is work and money. And so I'm going to read some of those now. So somebody wrote in, I could never spend money on myself. I could spend it on food, funnily enough. I would work and make money and always save it. I figured, why bother spending money? I was, and I was working, and I was less strict around money. I can um, appreciate that, although I actually, um, personally, I re- I couldn't spend money on food. It was very difficult. I was only ever allowed to buy food if it had been in the reduced section of the supermarket. And um, I was somebody that would, I knew when Tesco's um, was going to sort of do their end of day reductions. And I would always walk to the shops at that time and then hang around. I mean, the poor person that does the, the reduction stickers on the food at the sort of 7 p.m. at night time, she must have known me and just dreaded me standing there watching her, waiting for her to reduce all the food and, and then taking things that I wanted. So um, I find it interesting this person is able to spend money on food. I certainly wasn't, but I think that's that's great that she could. Um but not being able to spend money on herself. And I do think that that's something that comes up again for those of us that are in recovery. Um, Huge problems with spending money, um, very restrictive with money, almost as restrictive as money as we are with food if we have a restrictive eating disorder. And so I think part of my recovery was absolutely spending money on myself. And um, I had to do that by setting myself a minimum weekly spend where I actually had to spend money. (laughs) So the next person wrote in, So work and money was a big one for me. Finally, I made the decision to stop work and that meant I wouldn't be earning so much. The eating disorder made me very money focused too. And even when earning a good salary, which I did when the eating disorder had me working 60 hours a week, I hated spending money. Making the decision to stop work, the eating disorder hated, but it was about digging deep in my honesty and saying, okay, I really can afford not to work for a bit and survive. I have savings. I need to let myself use them and actually get better. I could continue to work like this and end up with a very healthy bank balance, but I would not have a healthy mind or body. 
I have no regrets now making this decision at this time, and it's given me the chance to focus 100% on my recovery without work distractions. And although the eating disorder still hates that decision, I know it was the right one. I know that I'm in a much healthier place in however long that takes. I set myself a minimum of 12 months off work, she put in brackets, to really commit. And then I know I can focus on my career that I choose to have and hopefully enjoy it. Wow. I think that's brilliant. Um, recovery is an investment in your future. That That's for sure. And it's also a full-time job. It's It's intense recovering from an eating disorder. And you have to focus on eating. And I know that when I started properly recovering, properly eating, it was like there was nothing, there wasn't really much room for anybody, anything else in my life. Just really one day at a time, one hour at a time eating and, and dealing with the anxiety that came up around that and not exercising. Um, very difficult to think about anything else. It is a mental illness after all. It fills one's head. And this person here is saying that she committed to taking 12 months as a minimum off work so that she can fully recover. I think that's that demonstrates um, not only astounding bravery, but also a deepened understanding of what it really is going to take for her to recover as an adult. So hats off, that's amazing. Okay, somebody else wrote, I worked like a horse during my years of excessive exercise and restricted eating. When I finally decided to get help and attempt recovery, I quit my full-time job to focus on getting well. I have received no financial support from the government or charity groups. My husband earns enough for us to get by. We are not saving any money, but we did have ourselves set up well before I got really sick. When I was very ill, my approach to money was terrible. I spent every cent I earned on crap. I viewed money as something you save for the future that was worth living, or you splashed on things at the present is a distraction. I didn't think I had a future, certainly not one that I wanted to live for. I'm now semi-recovered. I want to save money. I want to have a secure future for my husband and I. It has been tough times because I don't work full time. However, I don't think full recovery is possible if I work a lot. I'm the type of person to immerse myself in work. This was an attribute that my eating disorder loved. Busy meant no time for food or rest. I could blame my weight loss on stress or working too much. I hope recovery will give me a good balance in life. I don't want the next 10 years to be spent playing a game of tag with my husband. We used to say that our employers and work colleagues will stay back tonight or will go to work at the weekend. We have no plans, no kids, no responsibilities. And this was okay in the early days, but suddenly a decade passes and we have no children and we have barely spent any time together. Anorexia was thriving because our life and situation made a very welcoming environment for it to do so. Recovery is about gaining my life back, the one that I had at the beginning of my marriage. I was happy, healthy and willing to be an equal team player with a husband in setting up a secure financial situation, one that allowed travel and enjoyment and was not plagued with fear, anxiety and strict routines and behaviours. A future worth living for and a present of working to live, not living to work. Money, or at least not being able to spend it, has been quite a major part of my eating disorder through many through all the years. Wow, I think that one's really incredible and insightful. And also, I mean, that's a picture of how an adult with an eating disorder, how all sorts of relationships can change and be affected by the eating disorder over, as she says, the course of 10 years. Uh, her relationship with work has changed. And, you know, it sounds like she's saying that she really wishes that she spent more time with her husband and, and not done all of that working and that's a really amazing um 
and powerful understanding I think and it sounds like this person's really on the on the way to getting well okay so the next the next um, letter that I got I am fortunate enough to be financially secure and always have been but I lead a very frugal life I have never been able to spend money on myself I will only buy the bare essential and what has been reduced or on offer I can spend hours calculating the best deal and the cheapest option so food what I buy will not be in its prime. It's okay for me and I don't need anything better. It's a waste of money to buy the top quality and it's an extravagance I don't deserve, or at least that's what the eating disorder tells me. Clothes I rarely buy, um, clothes I rarely buy but um, rely on gifts from the family to make all them last forever. I'm not a follower of fashion. Again, I see it as a waste of money and I look so awful anyway. I'm only able to spend the bare minimum on the house, which I'm fortunate to own. So I would not say it is a home but it's somewhere to exist. I hate employing any workmen and do so little decorating. Uh, the furniture has all been donated. I am meticulous about hygiene. Everything's clean. It's just seen better days. I guess I can live like this and I don't have any family, but it means that I will not have any visitors in the house. So on rare occasions, I may want to have someone over for coffee. For example, I make an excuse. I'm too ashamed of the way I live, but not prepared to spend money on doing it up. Good for my eating disorder is it makes me more isolated than ever and seemingly unsociable. The longer term effect is that because I've bought, um, I have bought anything myself that I haven't developed any sense of taste and I don't know what I like and now I have a complete lack of confidence. Further to this fear of being criticised for making the wrong decision, I do best um, and to do nothing and save and keeping the money in the bank. I worked full-time in evenings. It was my world. I had no life and I was a high-functioning professional, but had no personality, identity other than professional. I was immune to life, I suppose. It allowed me to submit totally to my eating disorder, unable to restrict, sorry, able to restrict, carry out endless rituals and devote any spare time to unhealthy behaviours. I had no friends, hobbies, interests other than work-related. Work was my escape from life and finding the real me. I was made redundant a year ago and my life came crashing down. After a period of deep depression and an IP stay to restore my weight to um, a functional BMI, I was discharged and I of course lost the weight. So in a nutshell, work suited my eating disorder, gave me a sense of satisfaction, but denied me of a life. So there is a lot in there. And I'm gonna start with the, the first um, set of comments there from um, the person who was saying that she couldn't spend money on herself or her house or anything like that. I mean, that was me, bingo. I I couldn't spend money on anything. I couldn't spend money on toilet roll. Um, I would um, walk to the public toilets and not use the toilet in my flat because I didn't want to spend money on toilet roll. So I certainly didn't spend any money on decorating the house or, or furniture. Anything that I did have, like she says, was donated. It was kind of given to me by family. Um, and and then it is embarrassing and, and I I also felt like she said in in recovery when I got to that stage when I did maybe want to socialize or invite somebody over for tea or coffee I, I was embarrassed and I was embarrassed that they'd walk into my kitchen and just see how sparse it was that there was only the bare minimums like a, a mug a couple of plates that it really wasn't a home it was somewhere that I just existed in and I, I was like like this person that wrote in, wrote in, I was very embarrassed about that. And so therefore I, 
isolated myself even more. And there's a little bit of a catch-22 there. And um, I think that another thing that's really misunderstood about eating disorders is that, you know, the only thing that they affect is food. Um, my eating disorder affected my relationship with lots of things, money, sex, food was food was definitely one of them. But it, I was restrictive in, in every sense of the word in, in all places, not just to do with food. And they play into one another. If you can't, if you, you can't allow yourself to spend money, then you're buying food that's crappy and like like this woman who wrote in said past its best and the eating disorder says well that's good enough for you it's fine it's food isn't it you can make do and then that food's not particularly nice to eat anyway a lot of the time so that plays into not wanting to eat and then the foods that I did want to eat were more expensive and then so it wasn't just like my eating disorder was saying oh you can't have that food because it's xyz I also had a part of the money part saying, well, you can't have that food anyway because it's too expensive. You have to buy the lesser expensive one. And it really is this this big spiral. Um, and like I said, having that minimum spend, um, in the same way I made myself eat, I made myself spend money. I had a minimum spend on food and then I started to have a minimum spend on other things as well, uh, maybe furniture or a haircut and things like that. Um, I think what that person wrote there is, is pretty incredible and she was very open with that. And I just hope, I hope that she, she can start to spend more money and um, start to actually see that as part of the illness as well that she needs to attack as well as she's attacking eating more. She's going to be having to spend more money. Okay, so here's what somebody else wrote. With the money issues, some of the biggest issues being an adult with an eating disorder is lack of money. I don't have the capacity to work too much and therefore earn enough money to do the things that I believe will be beneficial to my recovery. I have to live at home with my parents because I can't afford rent or buy, meaning that I have lost some of the independence I crave so much. I loved, I'd love to travel or own a pet for therapy purposes, but I can't afford those either. I am lucky at this point in my recovery that I'm able to work a bit, which helps a lot. Unfortunately, money that could be spent on rent, a pet or saving for a holiday is spent on medical bills to treat my eating disorder, medication, psychologist appointments, traveling to appointments which are an hour away and things like that. The appointment side of things also um, zaps a lot of time that could be spent working, so it's a bit of a domino effect. Yeah, I mean, fabulous points in there. It is an illness, it's a mental illness, it needs treatment. Treatment takes time. It also means that um, even if one was physically and mentally in a space to work, that going to appointments takes time and it's really difficult to take the amount of time off and many employers aren't going to be very sympathetic to that and your know, therapist probably doesn't work at the weekend um and then like she said travel to um appointments and then that's both a time and money effect as well and um not being a when you don't have when she like she said you don't have a lot of money it's it's difficult to even if you want to spend things on the one the things that actually might make you happier and therefore when we're mentally happy it's it is a therapeutic effect and happiness is important for recovery um it's important for recovery for a mental illness it's also important for recovery from a physical illness i think many people would argue that and um the money being spent on medical things and then combined with not being able to work means that really there isn't much left over to be able to spend on other things. Okay, here's what somebody else wrote. 
One of the biggest impacts in terms of being able to spend money on myself is the inability to put the heating on. So I sit and freeze until hypothermic and hands and feet had gone blue. I feel it's such a waste of money and I'm okay with blankets and a hot water bottle. I realize now that that sort of self-harm in a way and it feels good to be bitterly cold and in lots of pain. Family would say that they thought it was because I could use up the calories trying to warm up. It was because I didn't want to burn the money. Since starting on my recovery journey, I have had my heating serviced for the first time in years and have a warm house and what a difference it makes. Through I am yet to receive the bill for this quarter. Despite being aware that money is losing value sitting in the bank, I can't take it with me and I still can't spend it. Oh, bingo. I couldn't turn the heating on either. And I lived in this little flat in um, southern England and it was freezing in the winter and then when I was second at university I was up in Edinburgh oh my god it was so cold I couldn't put the heating on I couldn't do it I could not do it I could be blue my hands and feet could go blue and I couldn't put the heating on and like that person there said people assume it's because you want to be cold so that you'll burn calories shivering it's not for me it was 100% I could not spend the money on heating that was just one of my eating disorder rules. I couldn't spend money on that sort of thing. And, um, oh God, it's awful. I mean, I didn't like being cold at all. I hate being cold. Um, and being as underweight as I was, I was cold even in the summer. So the winter was just excruciating is the only word that I can use to describe it really. I was cold the whole time and, um, I couldn't turn the heating on. There was a real mental block there. Um, I knew I needed to, I knew I should, I knew that would be the normal thing to do. But hey, eating disorders aren't logical. I couldn't make myself do it. And um, it was only it was only in the later stages of recovery actually that I was able to do that. And e- even after full recovery, I, I found things like turning the heating on very difficult. And I personally was blessed with uh, marrying a man who won't tolerate a cold house. And he really, just took took over that and made it just a thing that the heating is on all winter and the house stays at 72 or 3 degrees and that's just, it's it and it's on. And he also, I don't know if this is true or not, but he also told me that if we keep the heating on and keep the house at a certain temperature, we actually end up uh, saving money because it costs more money for the heater to um, warm up a cold house if I keep turning it on and off. <laughs> so I, I I didn't question that logic, but it worked for me, um, and it, it meant that I was able to go along with that, and let's have the heating on. And years further down the line, gosh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I've got, actually right now, I'm standing here in my office, and I have this little um, gas stove, as well as our heating, that's pretty to look at which I think is the main reason we put it in but um it's lovely to be next to my desk and the dog and the cat are sitting in a basket right in front of it um it's just wonderful to be warm and it's that is something that I don't take for granted the fact that I can now turn the heating on and it doesn't make me feel an ounce of guilt I just it's just like anything else it's it's um it's just a non-event in my life I don't give it a lot of thought or attention and Oh, it's such a huge thing to be able to do that. Thank you for that person for writing in that one. Gosh, that's sort of brought back a lot for me personally. And I I just hope, please keep that heating on. Keep that heating on and keep eating. Um, Okay, another person wrote in. When it comes to spending money on others, I have a problem that sends me into a complete meltdown. 
I want to spend money on others and give gifts and things, but I always think that what I buy is not good enough. So I end up adding something or buying something completely different. Even the worry is not, even the worry it is not good enough and the fear that it will not please and I'll be criticized for it. Sometimes resulting in not giving anything at all other than cause offense. Being unable to spend money makes it appear that I am mean, not only financially, but also emotionally. So spending money is something I have to rediscover and learn to enjoy. Until now, I don't partake in retail therapy. I guess it's another form of restriction and withdrawal from life. Yeah, I was sort of laughing there in the middle just because I really, really appreciate that one. I um, I feel what she she's saying there. It's spending money on other people. I used to dread being asked to a birthday party because then I mean for many reasons I knew I looked awful I didn't want to go out what was the point in dressing up because I looked so thin and horrible um that's what I thought as well um and but the other part was then I'd have to buy a gift and that would mean spending money which was terrifying really really hard for me and then also because I felt so out of it a lot of the time in terms of like somebody else said fashion and things I just would never know like what to buy and it was just oh my gosh such such an anxiety provoking round of decision making options having to buy a gift for somebody for a birthday party that I'd always just decline going I I would always just make up an excuse and say I can't go and that makes me sad um well another thing that makes me really happy right now is that I can spend money on people now and I can really enjoy doing it and I can do it just because I love them and there's no other thoughts or eating disorder conditions on buying somebody a gift. I can just buy what I want for them. And that really is another gift of recovery. Okay, and I'm going to finish this one by somebody that um, who is on the Slack group um, that is the R sort of recovery for adults over 25. Um, and she wrote this and I thought this would be a really wonderful thing to end this podcast on. And this is from um, I am Ames 89. Recovery for me is like feeling my way through a dark tunnel with no idea why I'm going. Every now and then I pass a small window or a crack in the wall and it lets in a beam of light. These moments give me a sense of success and hope that there is sunlight outside this dark place. I can't stop here and bask in this small piece of light though because it's only a half light. I have to keep moving forward because I want to experience the full light and feel the sun on my face. As I keep moving, the tunnel gradually becomes lighter and I know I am getting closer to reaching the outside and reaching freedom. Thanks, I am Ames. So that's today's podcast. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about family and um, children, relationships, specific to adults in eating disorder recovery. I will record tomorrow morning, um, Tuesday morning. So if you want to send me your thoughts, you can do that on social media. If um, you go to my Facebook page or tweet at me as well, it's at love underscore fat underscore. And my email address is info at tabithafarrar.com. That's I-N-F-O at tabithafarrar.com. And um, so send me your thoughts and I'll read those out. Um, We have the adults in recovery ADRA, that's Active Eating Disorder Recovery for Adults, and that's the um, organization that I founded. Um, we are, we're doing a lot on social media this week, so please um, find us on social media. We're using the hashtag ADRA for E-D-A-W, so 
ADRA for Eating Disorders Awareness Week. And um, you can find us on um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, actually. And if you want to seek us out, then the um, Twitter handle is at ed underscore meal support. And that's the same for um, Instagram. And that's the same for Facebook as well. So that's at ed underscore meal support. And you know, um, interestingly enough, or maybe not surprisingly now, having heard all of that, one of the reasons that I set up ADRA Mill Support, which is um, a more affordable online mill support for its peer support rather than um, professional support, which, which means that we can offer it at a more affordable price. That was one of the reasons, knowing how I, as an adult with an eating disorder, was really struggling to spend money um, on anything, anything at all, um, let alone anything that wasn't vital, essential. And um, mill support would have been really helpful for me um, in times of high anxiety when I was struggling to eat. And, um, you know, people say, oh, it's easy, you could just use your family, but I, I couldn't. There was just too much baggage there, actually, after 10 years of having food tantrums and not being able to eat with my family. Frankly, that was just too much for me. I should have used my family. I, I wasn't at a point where I was able to mentally. I, I couldn't handle it. So meal support for me from somebody that was impartial and would have would have actually been much more helpful. And I'm so happy to say that I I got to a point, you know, sort of in recovery where I then could turn to my family and say, hey, I, I need you to help me with this. And that was a really wonderful thing. But that took a long time. Um, and recovery's messy. It, it doesn't go the way that it's supposed to. I don't even know how it's supposed to go, but it doesn't go that I just decided, oh, I'm going to recover from my eating disorder today and I'm going to listen to everybody. I'm going to be a really nice person to everybody and just eat everything that they give me. It really doesn't, it didn't happen like that. I, I was anxious, miserable, stressed. Recovery made me more anxious and stressed. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I set up um, eating disorder meal support is just to have someone there that actually understands it, that, that's probably been through it. Um, many of our eating disorder coaches have had been through it and recovered from an eating disorder that can just say, I know that this is hard, but you still need to eat. And also in a way that's not going to cost me um, $200 an hour. Um, you know, in it's much more affordable peer support. So do check that out or just get in contact with me if, if you think that you're struggling and you need help and I'll see if I can help you or point you in the right direction. Thanks for listening. Until tomorrow. Cheerio.